morning, church. How's everybody doing? You guys never learn, do you? <laughs> there you go. I ask you that every week. Let's try that again. How's everybody doing? That's awesome. It's great to have everybody. Uh, again, it's great to have everybody here. Um, next week, I won't be here. Um, so th thanks for not clapping on that one. That was, I appreciate that. Uh, I will not be here next week, but um, we've got a very special guest speaker, Josh Oldfield. Josh and his wife, Ashley and son Sawyer, have been coming here. Uh, Josh has been in the ministry. He was a pastor in Charleston. He was a youth pastor in Greensboro for a few years. Uh, and they've been, uh, he was a part of City Church uh, for a while before they went under, and uh, he's, um, they've been coming here, and uh, he offered to preach while I was gone, because we've got to go up and uh, visit family. My mom, as you know, is not doing well with uh, her dementia, and then last week, um, Lucy's mom fell again, and so we just got to get up and see her mom and see my mom, so... We're going to be traveling for just a week, but uh, Josh is going to be preaching. He's going to continue in our series. Uh, next week, he'll be looking at decide to be wise, so that aspect of wisdom, so you, don't, you do not want to miss that, because I guarantee you, we all need wisdom, right? <laughs> I mean, I know I do, so I told him I would listen to it online so I could at least pick up some of those nuggets of wisdom that I need. But uh, I'm excited, again, to be here, um, to be able to share with you. As I said last week, we're just past the halfway point of our summer series called The Dog Days of Summer. And we're in part two that is called Decide. And so far, we've been able to see that we need to decide to follow God's truth. In other words, to, to, to not follow all the false teaching that's out there, but to just give ourselves to the truth of God. We talked about how we needed to learn to be content, to have contentment in our life. And then last week, to learn how to be humble. It's that difference between uh, pride and humility, and we just need to get rid of pride, and we just need to be humble in our life. And then this week, and this week we need to decide to be focused, to be focused on the right things, not to be focused on the temporary, but to begin to focus our lives on the eternal. And why is that something we need to decide? Because the direction of our lives, and I want you to remember this, the direction of our lives is determined by the focus of our hearts. The direction of our lives, the, the, the way we go and the way we live life is determined by the focus of our heart. And whatever your heart is focusing on, one, that's who you're going to be, but two, that's the direction you'll follow and you'll go in life. Let me ask you, do you ever have trouble... Staying focused. Anybody? Let's be honest. Anybody ever have trouble staying focused? I mean, I know I do. You know, I, I mean, it's, it's just hard sometimes to, to just stay focused. Are there times in your life where life just is, kind of seems to be a blur? Have you had any of those times where it just seems life is a blur? You see, being able to focus is not easy to do because we tend to be so easily distracted. I came across... Uh, a video this week called uh, Hidden Images. Well, actually, there were several of them, but I picked one of them. And as you watch each one of these, I want you to see if you can find the hidden image or the thing they're wanting you to discover in the time that is allotted. Okay, we're just going to go through a couple of these. Let's play that, Gary. And again, this is the easiest level, so you shouldn't have any trouble with this one. 
So they want you to find the nine. Raise your hand when you find it. Oh, you guys are good. That's why that's the easiest one. Right? Okay. We'll let it count down. So how many had it right there? Okay, yeah. I know some of you because, yeah, I found it. Well, yeah, right, okay. Okay, let's go to the second one. See what they want us to discover here. Okay, this one we need to find the R. Raise your hand when you find it. Oh, you guys are good. Who hasn't found it? Raise your hand. Just a few of you. There you go. How many had it right there? Awesome. Okay, let's just do one more. We'll do one more. See what this one is. Okay, find the five. I've done these before, so good job, man. We'll let it count down. And again, now we're doing all the easier ones. I, I didn't put the hard ones in because, believe me, there's some hard ones, especially in 15 seconds. How many had it right there? Okay, good job. You can take that off, Gary. That's fine. No. Uh, we can play it for you afterwards, and you can do them all you want. Okay? But focus. Again, focus is something that so many of us have have time at this, we struggle with. I want to show you this picture. How many remember uh, watching any of the old-time lion tamers or you've seen the circus? So you know what I'm talking about when I have this picture up here. Let me ask you, have you ever wondered why animal tra trainers carry a, a stool? You ever wondered that? I mean, I did. It's not to sit on, okay? I mean, you know, it's not to say, I'm just going to sit here and be lunch for the lion. No, that's not it. So they don't do it for that. And even though they have whips and pistols, the stool is actually one of the most important things they take into the cage with them when they're doing their act with lions. You see, the lion tamer holds the chair, by, uh, holds the stool up by the back, and he thrusts the legs toward the face of the lion. And the lion tries to focus on all four legs at once. And because it can't, a kind of paralysis sets in, it becomes weak, and it becomes disabled because its focus is distorted. I didn't know that. I didn't realize that's why they did that. But that's why they do it, because a lion will try to focus on all four legs. And here's the thing. Unfortunately for us as followers of Jesus, we do the same, right? I mean, we try to focus on so many things that are coming at us at once. And when we try to focus on all the things that are coming at us, our focus becomes distorted. And we're not really able to see what's most important because we're focusing on so many things. William Thrasher, a Moody Bible Institute professor, once said, he said one of the great secrets of, of the Christian life is to focus on one thing and do it well all of your life for the Lord. Let's focus on one thing and then do it well all your life for the Lord. Why? Because again, the direction of our lives is determined by the focus of our hearts. 
And maybe that's why James was able to write these words in James chapter 1, verse 8. Look what he says. He says, their loyalty is divided. In other words, they're focused on too many things. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, between the temporal and the eternal. And they are unstable in everything they do. Unstable in everything they do. Now, I say all that for this reason. It's because in our passage today, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul is going to deal with this topic of focus. He's basically going to do this. He's going to tell Timothy, he's going to tell him this. He's going to say, make sure to tell the people in Ephesus to stop focusing on so many things. To stop focusing on money, on relationships, and decisions through the lens of what is temporary. And help them to start focusing through the lens of the eternal. As Jesus' followers, when eternity is our primary focus, it will change how we live in the temporary. It always will. True story. Adoniram Judson was considered one of the very first foreign missionaries from America. In the early 1800s, when he was just 24 years old, Judson decided that he was going to set sail from America and go to India and then end up in Burma, where he would share the gospel and tell people about Jesus. Now, Burma at that time was a very hostile place towards the gospel and towards Christians. But he felt like that's where God was calling him to go. Now, before leaving for Burma in 1813, he married the love of his life. Her name was Anne. She was only 23 years old when they got married. Soon after the wedding, they set sail for Burma, where their life was anything but a honeymoon, at least from an earth, earthly perspective. They experienced one hardship after another. In fact, Judson was imprisoned for uh, roughly 18 months in 1824 simply because of his mission work. He was unrecognizable to most people. His eyes were hollow. He had rags for clothes. He was nearly crippled because of all the torture that he went through. In fact, at night, he would have his feet tied together, and then a jailer would hoist his feet up into the air so that only the back of his shoulders and the back of his head would be resting on the ground, and that's how he would have to sleep night after night after night, sometimes in 110-plus degrees weather while he was being eaten alive by mosquitoes. Not long after being in prison, he found out that his wife was expecting their first child. And so every day, she would walk two miles to the prison simply to plead and to beg for his release. His daughter, Maria, was born while he was in prison. Not long after that, his wife, Anne, became sick. He was finally released from prison just in time to be with his wife as she died. Six months later, his daughter, Maria, died as well. He would remarry, and his second wife would die on the mission field as well. In fact, while in Burma, 
He buried two wives and seven children before he died at the age of 61. You know, stories like that help us to see that focusing on the temporal things of life, those pleasures, that happiness that we, that we strive for, the successes, having more stuff. Stories like this remind us that those things don't last. They're just temporary. Because what lasts is what's eternal. The things that are done for the kingdom of God and for God's kingdom work. And that was the driving force behind the Judson's decision to give up everything and to go to Burma. Because they knew that following God's call meant giving everything to him. And just following whatever he wanted them to do in his life. In fact, early on, right before she left, Ann Judson wrote a letter to her best friend by the name of Lydia Kimball. This is an ex, 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 excerpt, I guess that's how you say it, excerpt from that letter. This is what she wrote. I feel willing and expect, if nothing in providence prevents, to spend my days in this world in heathen lands. Yes, Lydia, I have come to the determination to give up all my comforts and enjoyments here, sacrifice my affection to relatives and friends, and go where God in his providence shall see fit to place me. In other words, she knew exactly what she was getting into. She knew exactly what she was doing. And she knew she was giving up everything to follow God's call. I mean, you got to remember, man, this is, this is the early 1800s. You take a journey like that, it's a one-way ticket. There's no planes. You didn't come back for holidays on furlough. There was no Skype, there was no Zoom, there was no FaceTime. She was saying goodbye to the temporal to focus on the eternal. That's why when eternity is the primary focus, then what the Judsons did doesn't really seem crazy anymore, does it? I mean, if this life is just a mist, as the Bible says it is, a mist that's just here for a moment and then gone, from an eternal perspective, then what they did makes all sense, doesn't it? Now, a lot of us, we, we read a story like that or hear a story like that, and it's hard not to go away feeling sorry for what they had given up and what they were going to. But we got to understand, they, we might feel sorry for them, but they didn't feel sorry for themselves. In fact, I believe if those two could stand before you and I today, I think they would feel sorry for us. You know why? Because we get caught up in the temporary things of this world. We get caught up in wanting more and having to have more and having more stuff and, and worrying about where the next you know, meal is coming from or whatever. We get so caught up in the temporary I mean, we come and we sit in an air-conditioned worship center on Sundays, and we worship our God, and we sit in nice, comfortable seats, and probably the hardest thing we'll do all day is walking out of this place and trying to decide where we're going for lunch, right? That may be the hardest thing we have to do all day. You see, in light of eternity, they didn't regret the investment 
that they made in the lives of other people. They were just living out what Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 19, verses 29 to 30. Look what these verses say. Jesus said this, All who have given up home, or brothers and sisters, or fathers and mother, or children, or land for me, will be given a hundred times as much. They will also have eternal life. But many who are now first will be last, and many who are last will be first. You see, in God's kingdom, it's kind of an upside-down world where the last is first and the first is last, where you give up to have, not take to have more. You see, it's always an amazing investment when you live your life with eternity as the focus. And so Paul In this passage in 1 Timothy, in verses 18 and 19, Paul is going to tell Timothy, you make sure, you remind these people in Ephesus to be intentional and to focus on what's important when it comes to life. Make sure they don't get too caught up in the conveniences and the comforts of this life. Help them to stay focused so that you will see life through the lens of eternity. Here's here's how Paul put it in 1 Timothy chapter 6, starting in verse 18. Look what he says. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasures as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. He's talking about treasures in heaven, not treasures on earth. Now, back in verse 17, Paul had already reminded them that they needed to to put their hope in God, not to put their hope in money because it's here today, gone tomorrow, but that they needed to invest in those things that were going to last, those things that were eternal. And here, starting in verse 18, he highlights some of those eternal kinds of things. He says, do good and be rich in good deeds. In other words, what he's saying is this. It's not just about writing a check or handing out cash. That's easy to do. I mean, it's easy just to say, oh, yeah, you need something here. I'll just write you some money. I'll just... Or you see somebody along the street, oh, yeah, I'll just give them a five. That's easy. That's not what he's saying. It's so much more than that. Because it's actually demonstrating that kindness and that compassion and that unconditional love where you go beyond that. You you go beyond the check. You go beyond the cash. And you actually get involved in somebody's life because that's the eternal part that matters. The temporal part says, yeah, I'll write you a check. I'll hand you some cash and 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 that's good enough. And then look how good of a guy I am. Do you see that, God? Did you see what I just did? That's what we do, isn't it? And then he says, be generous and willing to share. You see, it's a, he's talking about an intentional, sacrificial type of giving. It's an open-handed approach to life where in the course of a day, even though you don't know what opportunities you're going to have to be generous, you know that if you're open and if you're looking, guess what? They will be there. You know why most of us don't have those opportunities or or get those opportunities, we think, is because we're not looking for opportunities. I think they're there every day of our life. 
I think every day of our life, we have opportunities to do good. We have opportunities to share with others. We have opportunities to be rich in good works for our God into the lives of others, but we don't do them because we aren't looking for them. And so we need to be looking and open. Now, to help us to wrap our minds around this, I want us to go back to the Gospel of Luke. So if you got your Bibles, open them up to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, great passage. <coughs> Excuse me. Luke chapter 12. And in Luke 12, Jesus tells a story that I think puts some skin on what Paul is teaching in 1 Timothy 6. Now let me give you the context. Let me set kind of the, the context of what's happening in Luke 12. Jesus has been teaching some pretty hardcore stuff to the people. He's been dealing with the Pharisees. He's been dealing with the hypocrisy of their life. And he's telling, them not, he's telling the people and them not to worry about or fear what men think or can do to them. Instead, they should be thinking about what God thinks and what God can do because he's the one that has the power literally to throw them into the pit of hell for all eternity. And so he's helping the people to focus their life through this lens of the eternal. In other words, don't get caught up in impressing people and putting up this fake facade that you forget about God and his kingdom work. And then right in the middle of this teaching, this eternal teaching, right in the middle of it, someone in the crowd just interrupts Jesus. I mean, it'd be like I'm preaching all of a sudden, just somebody stands up and they say this. Hey, Jesus, would you tell my brother here to divide the inheritance with me? That's crazy, isn't it? Hey, Jesus, this is my, my brother here. Tell him to divide the inheritance with me. I mean, Jesus is, is teaching on the eternal, but this guy is focused on the temporal. Now, he's probably the younger brother. And he thinks that he's not being treated fairly. You see, Jewish law allowed for the oldest brother to get two-thirds of the inheritance. And the younger brother would get one-third. Now, that was the official law. But oftentimes, it would be dealt with more evenly, depending on the family. And so maybe this is one of those cases when the younger brother thinks that the inheritance should be more equally, equally distributed. And so he just says to Jesus, Jesus... Can you just pause here for a minute? Can you just hit the pause button and stop? Because I need you to tell my brother to give me more money, basically is what he's saying. Now, here's the thing. He is not wanting Jesus to give him the right answer, right? That's not what he's wanting to do. He's not wanting Jesus to give him the right answer. He's wanting Jesus to agree with his assessment of the situation. That's what he's wanting. And the reality is, that is how most Christians approach life, especially with things dealing with money and stuff. And so we go to God and we say, hey, God, I just want to make sure you agree with me on this. Not that we agree with him, but God, you agree with me on this. I mean, that's what we do. It's like we say, hey, Jesus, could you just sign off on this? Could you just go ahead and do this so that I can justify what I'm wanting to do with my life? 
And that's what happens when our focus is on the temporal instead of the eternal. And we lose perspective on what's most important. You know, it's really sad, but, but over the years, I've, I've seen this a lot in working with families when a loved one dies. I mean, I can't tell you some of the craziness that goes on in people's lives. I remember back in, it was about two, 2000, 2001, I went to go to the funeral up in a small town uh, north of Gastonia, North Carolina. And uh, when I got to the funeral home, it was at the viewing. When I got there, there were four or five sheriff's cars there with their lights on. And when I walk in, I walk in to, to a situation where they had just broken up a fight between the brothers, a fist fight, because they couldn't agree on how they're going to divide their dad who was laying in the casket, how they were going to divide his inheritance up between them. Let me tell you, I, I've seen it all. And it's sad when this happens in the lives of families. You see, focusing on the temporal gets things all screwed up. It gets things all messed up. We start prior, prioritizing the wrong things, and we start putting the emphasis on the wrong areas, and relationships get burned and take a back seat to money and stuff. And so Jesus, what he does is he uses this as one of those teachable moments. And so he goes on and he tells the story about a rich man whose ground provided a good crop. It's probably starting in about 13 if you look at your Bibles. I'm just kind of, because of time, just kind of paraphrasing this for you. So he tells this story about a rich man whose ground provided a good crop. And the rich guy thought to himself, he says, what am I going to do, man? I don't have enough storage space for all these crops. So you've got a guy who's already rich, but now he has more, and he's not sure how to handle this influx of wealth. So he weighs the options around in his mind, and he ends up deciding this. This is what he does. He says, here's what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns, I'll build bigger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, get this, self, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. That was his philosophy. The temporal things of life right there. And Jesus highlights that this guy is focused on self, and he's focused on that which is temporary, not that which is eternal. Hey, Garen, come here a minute, will you? It's been a while, but I shared this with you. I love this. This is an illustration. I just want to do a little bit of it. Uh, I heard it from Ch Francis Chan. Yeah, it's kind of, you can just do your best. Do I? Okay, Mr. Scoutmaster. Let's, let's assume, while Gary's doing that, let's assume that this rope represents a timeline. In fact, it represents our life. All right? This is our life. And this... I guess that's black. This black area, this represents our life as we know it, from birth to death. This is it right here. And the rest represents eternity. 
And the attorney just goes on and on and on. Yeah, the end of it may be just over there where Garen is, but just in your mind, picture the fact that this, you don't have to pull any more, you're going to pull me off stage. <laughs> Thanks, ma'am. <laughs> I just did a face plant in the communion. I don't want to do that. You can leave it over there. Just leave it there. Yeah. And this represents eternity. And this is our life. And here's what we do. Because we love to live in the temporal, we think, hey, you know, I'm right here, but if I do these things well, then here I'll be able to enjoy this area right here. I can enjoy it if I just do these things well. And if I just focus on this area here and making as much money as I can and gaining as much stuff as I can, then I will be able to enjoy all this right here. And we forget about the fact that this here ends. But the rest is eternity. And yet we tend to focus on this, right? And we forget about eternity. We forget about the fact that the Bible teaches that there's an end to life. And it's going to end one day. And it really doesn't matter what you do here. I mean, I've had people tell me, man, it's, you're, you're crazy for what you're doing. I mean, you ought to be focused on making money. You ought to be focused on the fact that one day you're going to be able to enjoy life. I mean, for me, honestly, I don't know if I'll ever be able to retire. I ain't got any money. But that's okay because I'll be doing what God wants me to do. So they look at me and say, you fool. And I look at you and say, you're fool because you may be focusing here, but I'm focusing here. I'm focusing on eternity. And that's what Jesus was trying to teach here. He was trying to highlight the fact that this guy was just on self. He was just focusing on the temporary. Again, Jesus says that this guy was focused on this part of life. He was focused on self. In fact, he talked about my crops. He talked about my barns. He talked about my grain. He talked about my goods. And God looks down from heaven and he sees this man living for self. And as you would expect, God has something to say about it, right? And so God says to this guy, you fool. You fool, man. This very night, your life's going to be taken from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And Jesus concludes this story this way. This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. In other words, this is how it's going to be for those who just focus on the temporal, but forget about the eternal. Now, the problem, the problem's not that this guy had extra. The problem's not that he was blessed with an abundant crop. That's not the problem. The problem was that his whole focus was on the temporal instead of the eternal. In other words, he wasn't using what God had given him, his time, his talents, his resources for eternal purposes. And so Jesus says, this man is a fool because he doesn't know it. But tonight, guess what? He's going to die. His, his life's going to end Right there. It's going to end. In the temporary part of life, he had no plans where he was going to spend the eternal part of his life. John Ortberg, in his book, It All Goes Back in a Box, says there's a two-word question that people seldom ask, and the question is, then what? 
then what? And that's the question the guy in this story should have asked. He should have asked, once my barns are full, then what? I mean, then what? And the same is true for you and I. We need to be asking, once I have that promotion, once I make that purchase, once I get that new home, once I get that new car, once I have this kind of security, once I accomplish this goal, then what? Then what? What am I going to do then? You see, we get so focused on the temporary, climbing the corporate ladder that we don't stop to think, when I get to the top, then what? Then what? I mean, what do you do when you find yourself with a spouse who learned a long time ago that they came in second place to your financial success and your career goes, goals? I mean, what are you going to do when your kids, with your kids when they don't want much to do with you because they learned growing up that your phone and your computer mattered a lot more than they did? What are you going to do when, you, when one day you stand before God? What are you going to do? Again, the Bible makes it very clear that there's an end to this life as we know it. Let me ask you, I mean, do you honestly think God's going to be impressed with what kind of car you drove or what neighborhood you lived in or what clothes you wore or the things you put on Facebook? Here's the thing, man. For all of this rich man's luxuries, smart investments, hard work, and financial planning, the one thing he forgot was his final moment, his final breath on this planet. He forgot about death and what comes after it. Then what? And Jesus never says that this man was wrong with having some treasures on earth. He was wrong because he focused more on them than he did on the eternal treasures. Here's the thing. Your attitude toward the temporal things of life won't change until, first of all, until you realize that everything belongs to God. Everything belongs to God, man. Everything you're... Everything you have, your family, your home, and all the things in it, your bank accounts, your investment accounts, all those things, all the things that you value the most, guess what? They're not yours. They're God's. They belong to him. He's the one that's given them to you. Second of all, until you realize that there's no security in the temporal things of life. I heard a phrase years ago that I think will help us to keep the right perspective about earthly possessions, and it's the phrase that simply says, it's all going to burn. It's all going to burn. The Bible says that it's all going to burn in the end, and so why spend so much time and effort killing yourself to get more stuff that's just not going to last anyway? And if it doesn't burn in the end, guess what? It could burn in the present. I shared with our volunteers, and I'll ask you to pray for this family, good friends of ours in, the, in, in Indiana. Jay and Janan Stewart got three small kids. Um, last Saturday night, a week ago Saturday night, they were woke, woken up in the middle of the night by a neighbor because their house was on fire. They were just able to get out in time to get the kids out and the animals out and watch everything they owned go up in flames. They lost everything, everything. 
Let me tell you, the temporal things of life won't last. And if that was all their focus was, they wouldn't be able to survive. But the good thing is, their focus is on the eternal. And it's been amazing how they've dealt with that loss. Because they understand where their focus needs to be. Thirdly, until you change your heart. Until you change your heart, man. Your attitude toward the temporal will not change until you change your heart. This is the beginning point. That's why Jesus goes on in this passage in Luke 12. Look what he says in verses 32 and 34. Don't fear, little flock, because your father wants to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Get for yourself purses that will not wear out, the treasures in heaven that never runs out, where thieves cannot steal, moths cannot destroy. Your heart will be where your treasure is. So change your heart. You got to change your heart. Never forget, your treasures reveal your priorities. Your treasures reveal your priorities. Where and how you spend your time, your money, your talents, etc. shows what's most important to you. I mean, let me ask you, if someone were to look at your schedule, to look at your bank account, would they see kingdom priorities or would they see earthly ones? And so what do you do? Well, you adopt the priorities of God. You adopt the priorities of God, not the priorities of the world. And that's why Jesus says in Matthew 6, 33, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. He will give you everything you need. You just seek first his kingdom, his priorities. And allow those things to fill you and to fill your life. Let's close. Adoniram Judson. He faced 37 years of opposition and persecution and suffering in Burma. And as I mentioned earlier, he outlived seven of his children. But when he died, there were more than 7,000 children of God in Burma. And he and his wife had translated the entire Bible into Burmese language. And today... There are more than 3,700 churches that all trace their roots back to the day Judson decided to set sail for Burma. Let me ask you, what's your focus on today? I'm serious, man. I'm dead serious. What's your focus on today? Let me tell you, you can, you can go to a lot of churches today and you can get a really nice fluff message and that's okay, but, but we want to give you what the Bible says. And we want to help you focus on what's eternal, not just what's on the temporal. Because that's what I feel God's called me to. And sometimes this is not very comfortable, is it? I mean, sometimes we can sit there and we can hear a message like this and we can squirm a lot, right? I was squirming as I was giving this. I, I know exactly what I'm talking about here. Because it's tough. Because it's so easy to be like that lion that sees the chair coming and try to focus on all four legs. And we just try to focus on all the things that are coming at us and hitting us from every direction. And we lose sight of what's most important, and that is God's kingdom work. So what are you focusing on today? What are you focusing on? The temporal, the eternal. I mean, have you surrendered your life to God? 
Have you honestly surrendered your life to God and said, God, here's my life. Take it, use it, however you want to use it. God, just help me. Help me to be open every day of my life to those around me. Help me to be open. Help me to see those things. Help me to prepare my life, God, for what's the most important in life, your kingdom work. Pray with me. Father, I just thank you so much for this day. And God, I thank you. I thank you for stories, true stories like Judson and Ann and how they gave themselves in extremely difficult situations and times, but they gave themselves for the work of the kingdom. And because of that, lives were changed. And people were one. And God's kingdom grew. God, I don't know what you're going to ask us to do. I don't know what you're going to call us to do. But my prayers will just be focused on whatever you have for us because we're focusing our lives on the eternal, not the temporal. And so, God, maybe today we need to make some tough choices. Maybe today we need to begin to make some tough decisions and just give ourselves to those things that matter most. So help us, God. Just help us. Pour into our life. Pour into our heart. Pour your spirit into us. Speak to us. Teach us. Convict us. And then use us and take us from this place. Stronger than when we came. It's in your name we pray. Amen.